City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. Welcome to Saturdays in the Gong on SEM Track. the last show for Saturdays in the Gong for 2023 live from Wollongong Golf Club. I'm Tim Barrow. It's been an era of frustration for Illawarra Sport. The Illawarra Hawks are still trying to find their groove in the NBL. It's a year where Anthony Griffin went for coffee and never returned at Wynn Stadium. The Panthers up the road produced one of the great comebacks to uh, win a third straight premiership. They offered so much hope over the ditch where the Warriors made it all the way to a prelim. The All Blacks almost stole the final spot, being a man short at the Rugby World Cup. And at the end of it all, the Kiwis won the, uh, the Pacific Championship anyway. Uh, locally, Thirul, well, they did it the way to win the Illawarra Rugby League Premiership. While Gerringong in Group 7 Fig Tree in South Coast AFL and Shoalhaven in Illawarra Rugby showed why they're the powerhouse clubs that they are. Good morning to you, 15.75am Illawarra and 11.70 for the first hour in Sydney. I'm Tim Barrow. We've got the full cast of Saturdays in the gong today. The Illawarra Mercury's Mitch Jennings, Illawarra Hawks General Manager Matt Campbell and Fox Sports Matt Russell. Good morning, lads. Baz, what's my Saturday morning going to be without rocking up here to see you barefoot as per normal and wearing your... Number one T-shirt, Terry Lamb. Terry Lamb, absolutely. The uh, the number six Canterbury jersey walking off into the horizon. I'll tell you what, I wish we could wind back the clock a little bit with Terry Lamb and get him back playing for the Bulldogs next year. He'd probably year go all right now, I reckon. You know, he's that much of a competitor. There's, the, what, there's the voice of Mitch Jennings. I wondered whether we'd ever hear it again after Tuesday's Cup Day at Kembla Grange. Sorry, Royal Kembla Grange Gardens. Royal good Kembla. to see you back with us, brother. Uh, my pleasure. It was fantastic, fantastic day there, wasn't it? It was good. I, um, like I said, I was probably a dollar one to be MVP out of this crew when it came to that type of stuff. So it was really good. I tell you what, you can. What are we going to do on Saturday morning? Because I tell you, I fear for my Friday nights will look like now for, until February when you haven't got to get up and do radio. I don't know. We'll have to see what happens that way. But uh, what a year it's been, boys. It's uh, yeah, been a pleasure again. Yes, and on the back of a great week of racing, obviously the Melbourne Cup during the week, and that's what we're talking about to the listeners. Hopefully, the uh, listeners did have a win. Tough day of racing up from my end. I think I had about seven or eight second and third place getters during the day, so that didn't help the hip pocket, but what a fantastic day of racing. Oh, it was absolutely brutal for me. Yeah, the Saturdays in the gong team. We were down there at Kembla Grange on Cup Day. you got to say, I wish you'd have been there to watch Baz's tie. Just got, he rocked up and it was tied right up there under the chin, looking probably as the day went on. I just watched the tie get looser and looser and looser. I thought it was going to end up on your head by the end. That, that's just standard <laughs> fare for me in the races. <laughs> With every loss, though, it just sort of <laughs> it just slipped further down. It was, uh, yeah, it was a rough, it was a rough one riding a shotgun to Tim Barrow. We obviously, we ended up smack bang at the table as it, as it does, and riding a shotgun on for Tim Barrow that day, rough, 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 rough. We're going to head to the gong in a few weeks on November 25, the Million Dollar Race Day, so I'm looking forward to that. We'll be talking to Steve Keane from the Illawarra Turf Club later. Let's touch on the NRL season. I actually saw uh, Tyrell Sloan and Zach Lomax getting coffee across the road there this morning at the end of St George yeah, Illawarra back training. training. Under Flannot. Now... They haven't made a lot of moves yet in the market in terms of St George Illawarra, but 
a little bit of renewed optimism with Shane Flanagan getting the feet under the desk now. Yeah, I think there is. I think the, the, what speaks to that is the fact that you saw Zach Lomax just over the road because he wasn't due back at training even this early. Neither was Blake Laurie, guys like that. But they've all they've all come back early to, to rip in. And you're not doing that if you're not dragging your feet, if uh, you're not you know excited and, and confident about what's uh, what's to come so yeah i think certainly renewed as you said hope uh, under shane planning and like not a lot of moves yet made but they're in the market for everything aren't they boy oh boy like you said we talked about uh you know joey manu we've heard you know tom Dearden, we've heard adam fanua blake was on the radar to possibly come across but i think uh look they're all that's all more of a longer game i think i think we have dragons fans need to steal themselves for you know a year it's going to be basically what they've got on deck as we see it on paper right now and going through. Kyle Flanagan back at training looked all right in the uh, in the red and white. He's the interesting one for me, boy, boy, because everyone's sort of ripped him off as an NRL playmaker, really, and said, oh, he could be find a role as a bit of a number 14 here and there, and that's basically what he was brought to the Dragons to be. But obviously with Telltale Moan and what's going on there and a lack of general depth uh, in the spine positions across the board, he, he's going to end up there. You're going to say it'd probably be him and Ben Hunt come round one now. Baz, wouldn't that be something if he, in those circumstances, on the scrap heap, thrown a lifeline by Dad at the uh, at the club to bring him across to play a role that he's not going to end up in? Imagine if he recaptures, well, both gentlemen. Imagine if he recaptures, Matty, the the form or the potential that we, uh, you know, all once thought he had. It'll be a really interesting storyline in 2024. But you're right, looking at it through, you know, red and white eyes. The majority of Generation Next is no suddenly Generation Next. Jaden Sullivan's a Tiger. Um, we know that Salone has been told to prepare maybe for a wing, not necessarily the fullback role. That might just be a straighten up. Who knows? And of course, Talatau Amon won't be there. So the th- the three big names that Dragons fans were hoping would emerge and thrive. Well, well basically, there's a there's Two of them are gone. There's a huge question mark over another. So, yeah, Kyle Flanagan, what does he do next year? It, it could be crucial. You for ra- the you raise, yeah, it's a staggering point you raised, Matty, because it was with this, that 2019 Steelers SG ball side was, you know, they were compared to the to the Penrith crop. They were going to do that top through and they come through. They can power the, the joint venture. I think, oh, not to just put the boot in there, but I just think they were all badly mishandled through the Anthony Griffin era. I think if we end up looking at it and saying they're all gone, they're not the Dragons, how have we lost them? I think you've got to look at that, and I think that comes down to poor decision-making in that regard, Matty. But you can also throw in Max Finney was in that team. He's free to go, uh, whether that means Matt Finney follows him as well. The only one, you know, Conor Mulheason's there. He's come around. There's a few in-development contracts, but to think... The club, for whatever reason, and you know, it's easy to point fingers and say who's at fault for this, who's at fault for that. But the fact that there's been a failure to capitalise on on that, you've got to ask some questions. I actually wrote uh, a column about it uh, a couple of weeks ago and just spoke about it. And Baz, you'd be well aware of this, having been obviously at the Mercury and covered them. And we yeah. obviously, perhaps more than some other organisations, being the local organisation, we we take a real look at SG Ball, NYC, what's coming through. And there's been three distinct junior classes that were going to be the future of the club a couple of times. There was the Drew Hutchison, Jack Bird, Ewan Aiken, uh, Hastings um, quartet that came through. Hastings has never played for the Dragons. Jack Bird obviously debuted elsewhere. Drew Hutchison's become part of the Dragons, so that didn't happen. Then we had the Dufty, the Jay Field, the Luciano Leilua, uh, the Jacob Host. There was that class that came through the 20s 
uh, under Dean Young and Ben Hornby, and that was going to be the next one. And for whatever reason, and every case is is different individual, like a Matt Dufty off the top of your head, you, you wouldn't say he wasn't given an opportunity to, to become that guy, but just didn't work out. So there's been... It probably shows you how difficult it is. You can have these great junior teams and these great junior players it can be hard to bring them through but uh look there's been those three distinct ones now that the dragons haven't quite been able to to capitalize on and it really it's really going to hurt the heartstrings or be a tough one to swallow for the for the fans down in our neck of the woods mm. if that Steelers team were all somewhere else by 2025 i know that the dragons are looking forward to starting the season with clear air for the first time in years there's not going to be a huge question mark over the coach and the future of the coach he's a premiership winning coach who's locked in long term there's at least a bit of stability in that position and there won't be the storylines and headlines we've seen in in past years and if you put the dragons to one side and you look back on 2024 or sorry 2023 it started in sensational fashion that first month brutally hot but the standard of rugby league i thought was unparalleled in, in comparison with previous years Remember the first game was Golden Point, Melbourne, Parramatta. Harry Grant scores in Golden Point, a try to win it. I just thought that set the, the trend for the whole year. If you take maybe a somewhat flat Pacific Championships out of it, I just think the whole year was, was sensational rugby league at a standard that made it compelling uh, to watch. It's a great product and it's, it's going in a fantastic direction. We've spoken about the big start that's planned for, for next year. It is scary when you just come up for oxygen after a long taxing season and they're lobbing in your email tray is the draw for next season. The pre-season <laughs> comp. We're back at it, Matty, pretty quickly, aren't February we? February 15th. I'm thinking, hang yeah. on a second. I'm hardly over. I'm not even over this season but yet. Is it, there's a flat spot for me, Matty, in that run was probably just, and it's it's a perennial problem, and I think it's not going away, was through that origin period. I've, I've, been, I've been banging this drum for the last couple of years. It's got to be condensed. It's got to happen quicker. It's got to be a million miles an hour. It's got to be a sprint and not this marathon that it is. You've got all this stuff there's so much gap between game one and game three there's these monster camps the nrl season gets cannibalized through that point and i have been reading this week that the clubs and the clubs are obviously i wouldn't say the clubs are always acting in the best interests of of the game uh, i think there's very much out for number one but they quite rightly have a gripe about the amount of time not just the players they lose for the game but the camps these camps are monster what do they need to do for 14 days every time, Matty Campbell. You're, you're the one who's been in the high-performance environment. What do you After the first camp, what do you think they're doing in camps two and three to, to do it? But that's what I mean. So I, I just think that's the one issue, as you said, Matty Russell, it's the product's been fantastic. They seem to be getting the start of the season right now because, as you said, they were on from the jump. We haven't seen that in, in previous years. They were on for the jump. It just hits that flat spot. I think they need to do I'm a big fan of the three consecutive weeks or a fortnight basically you cram it in and that's what you do but I don't know Matty Campbell what are your thoughts yeah, on the look, way that plays it out? It is interesting it's obviously the, the, a lot of teams use it as a bit of a rest period it is a, it is a lull in the season as you said but a lot of the teams are using that time to, to try and get their team either back on track if they've had a bit of a lull but also they're using it to try and get their players through the middle part of the season now from an origin point of view obviously when they go into camp they've got to try and get a bit of continuity they've got team chemistry um, there is a lot riding on it from state to state. You see how passionate Queenslanders are and New South Wales when it comes to the situation. But, I, you know, it is a tough one. I, I think the game is so professional now and the size of the players 
to play it three weeks in a row, I think, oh, man, you're just asking for some injuries. Oh, I, th- I reckon they're getting more injured. Look, Nathan Cleary goes back and gets injured playing on the back of an Origin game because he's playing a couple of days later. You're telling me a, a week apart from all these games that they do like it's a mini fight, like a finals. I still think it's better. In the day, you needed these long camps because what do they do? They pick the team on form every single year. And there was mm. probably a different coach who was also part-time. You needed that time to get everyone in sync. Now we've got these full-time Origin coaches. People get picked on what they did three series ago because we need combinations and all this sort of stuff that you hear. Like, honestly, I, I think cram it in. It's the one thing, if you said to me, cause we're, we're talking draw, it came out yesterday, there's one thing that must be fixed, it's that origin lull because that, that Leviathan that swallows everything up mid-year every year, it does my head in. Well, you know, it, it, it's, it's the one thing. We're talking about how great last year was, and I agree with Matty Russell when he talked about the intensity levels. Those first five weeks, I haven't, th- I haven't seen an opening to a season like that, which is exciting. So we're, we're seeing a level come up in, in just general play across the superstars down to the bottom of the list. It's outstanding at the moment. If I've got a gripe, my gripe is the bunker. I just, the way it slows the game down, I just While can't While we're in Festivus hand- mode, I, know, yeah. I just, I can't handle it. They can re- re- Replay back to the start of that possession, and if anything goes wrong, they can they can bring it back. I mean, if you got a microscope on any sport right now, you'd be able to find holes in every part of it. I'm I'm sorry. I'm like, keep the game rolling. Just let's get rid of the bunker or clean it up. The bunker's an international problem, though. I mean, I'm, I'm a massive rugby league fan, but I'm also a massive English Premier League fan. Mm. Those seasons overlap, go and go into our summer. The English Premier League, obviously. The VAR over there, it's a mess. The yes. offside calls, all sorts of drama at the moment and controversy. So it really is a mess in terms of the level of technology. And no one has a straight answer on how much you need to pair it back, how distinct it needs to be, whether technology should just overtake it all in terms of review. So, yeah, there's, there's huge questions in terms of that. But you talk about the rugby league product. It is as good as it's ever been. And I think part of that is the fact that the Dolphins came into the competition this year. There was great fears that they didn't get enough in terms of recruitment and have star players. And Wayne Bennett did a magnificent job with them in terms of them being uh, competitive with some big wins, particularly early in the season. Now, we talked about the NRL draw coming out. Uh, both broadcasters, through their respective media outlets, released teasers and part of the season. So St George Illawarra's first five rounds reportedly the Titans away, the Dolphins away, the Cowboys at home, the Sea Eagles at home, and then the Knights away. There's a sense of opportunity there if Shane Flanagan can have them up and running early. Yeah, it's a top, no top four sides, which is it's a, a tough swing to start to go to Queensland twice. But when you think about it, I mean, would you rather be doing that in the middle of the season when you're a bit wounded, you carry niggles, all of a sudden you're spending two weeks on the road? It's probably something that you want to, you know, get out of the way nice and early. I think I think the Dolphins, I think the Dolphins early on this year with the, the recruits they've got riding the, you know, season number two, it's they're going to be tough to play early on. The Titans, obviously, under Des Hasler now, there's a there's a, a new era and, and everything else. The, the Knights, who knows what they're going to do? I mean, we saw both sides of them last year. They went on that incredible run, but we've seen teams do that. But look at the Cowboys. We've seen teams do that, you know, and then fade away the next year. So we'll have to see what that is. But like you said, Baz, I think opportunity's the word. There's no reason mm. the Dragons can't get their campaign off to a good to a good start if that does, in fact, end up being the uh, the rounds, which we believe it will be. The first hour of this great show greats in the, goes into Sydney. So when it comes to West's Tigers, I, I was reading about them and the fact that... So round zero in Vegas, they obviously not involved. Then the rest of round one, the following week, they're, they're not involved. They've got a first round bye. So they'll watch 
two weekends of NRL before the third weekend where they actually try. I mean, is that good or bad for a, a team that's run last and has a new coach? It's bad. Bad, bad. I think it, yeah, I, I think it doesn't matter who it is. The you want to be involved from the get-go, well, don't you? And, well, yeah, there's that factor, but the Dragons... Um, obviously had that deal with last year. Yeah. Now, no one wants to buy first round because the buy through the year in such a tough year, and we're talking about how tough it is now, how good the quality is, but how tough it is to, to go week in, week out in the competition now. You want that buy, you know, as, a, as an oasis. You want that buy somewhere there when you really need it through the campaign to burn one straight out of the gate. It's uh, it's never what you want. It's it's not what you want at all. But as far as their chance, how it impacts their chances of winning in round uh, round two and three, I think it's a moot point, but it's just not what you want the buy to start. And some talk that the Dragons, speaking of buys, are going to be having the buy during Magic Round, so that'll be yeah. uh, interesting good. that they've oh, honestly, missed out, but it does mean that oh. there's one less trip away. Have so. you watched Magic Round and the Dragons efforts in it the last <laughs> couple of years? I saw yesterday, people, but, were, but pu- people were pumping it up as a snub or Dragons fans going to be positive. They'll be relieved. Hang on. Magic, <laughs> Magic Round awful. is a round for the fans. <laughs> to, to all go to one venue, Magic Round is a round for the fans. And the Dragons, despite their poor form in recent years, have had a huge support base for a long, long time. Does that make sense, taking out one of the huge support bases from a round designed for the fans? I we can debate that. Turn. It's when, just their turn, Matty, I think. When are we going <sighs> to do our predictions, our fearless predictions for 2024? We'll get to some fearless okay. predictions later. I or... can see the grass growing here at Wollongong Golf Club after rain midweek and this beautiful humid sunshine. I can see the grass growing. I thought that was your prediction. I said that's a bold one, that. <laughs> no, just, the grass just, will grow at Wollongong Golf Club. How good is the Wollongong Golf Club looking, by the way? It, it, like, come on. Picture perfect on a Saturday morning. Hey, we're going to go to our first break because when we're going to come back, we're going to grill Matt Campbell on how the Hawks launch their campaign up in Cairns. There's a new player in town. Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. There's a new player in town. Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. Matt Russell playlist is firing early at Wollongong Golf Club on a beautiful Saturday morning. We're going to have a hot one here today. And speaking of heating up, Bryce Cotton, 37 points last night in a 94-76 win over the New Zealand Breakers. The Perth Wildcats might just be finding their feet in the season. Now, the Illawarra Hawks head to Cairns. They take on the Taipans at 530 up there this afternoon and then the Sydney Kings for our Sydney listeners tomorrow afternoon up against the Brisbane Bullets now pre-show Matt Campbell you were saying that the Hawks have been some really intense training but you've been really impressed with what they've responded with this week yeah obviously you know losing by 20 points to Sydney Kings on our home floor is probably the worst result you could have in a season for Illawarra Hawks fans and and for the playing group so yeah there's a bit of home truth being said Um, plenty of meetings as, as most teams do when they go through a little patch where they're not happy with the performance of the team but what I was really happy with was just uh, the response from some of the some of the leaders on the team some of the veterans on the team the way that they stood up during the week and and um, and put the effort in and I guess that's what you're looking for from a leadership group you're looking for guys that turn up and uh, and and turn that sort of smile into a, a bit of grit uh, get out there and uh, and show some hard work and 
I'm hoping that that translates into uh, a better performance. Now, it's, I mean, everyone focuses all the time on wins and losses when it comes to start a season, uh, trying to get yourself in, in, into some form. But the reality is you just want to see... You want to see the process being followed. You want to see an outcome. You want to see a drive. You want to see an ability to move forward with a team. And we've been talking about this with the Dragons for some time, that it's it's more about the way they play that you want to see that continual. If they get beat by a better talent, then you're okay with it. Now, that's kind of where we are with the Hawks right now. No more excuses in that space. want to see a team that goes out and plays hard. I want to see a team that's um, together, that supports each other. Now, if we end up getting beaten by a team that has a Bryce Cotton-type environment where they score 40 points, one player does something special, then you can live with that. But, you know, from some of the losses for the Hawks this year, it's kind of been up 13, 14, double-figure leads and then, you know, capitulation into... You know, trying to trying to chase it down. So it's it's been an up and down season. I want to see some consistency. Consistency is an interesting word, Matty, because it, in it because it, lineups are such a, a nuanced thing in in the game of basketball. It's really hard. You might have the perfect one, but they don't quite click with each other. You need to get that right. There's moving around. Jacob, after that Kings game, came out and sort of forecast big changes, Matty, as you as mm. you heard. But he's since walked that back and said, we're not going to panic. We're not going to do anything. How do you juggle the, oh, you know, an interesting thing, my favourite NBL player outside of the Illawarra Hawks of all time, Derek Rucker this week, came out and said he thinks probably you've got to move J-Rob to the bench. It's not working with, with Tyler Harvey in the backcourt. And one thing that I don't, I certainly don't agree with was the suggestion that the Hawks season's now wrecked and they should just give Lockie Albrick 20 a game AJ, you know, 15, 20 a game and help them boost their draft stock. I've heard that too, but with the play-on scenario... Oh, really play-in, I don't think you're... The play-in scenario, which is criticised by some, that's fine, but but for teams like the Hawks at this stage of the season, that means that there's a big carrot just just out of reach. You're never really out of the running for the season. If you have a hot month and take good form into the new year, you can make the play-on tournament, and then it's a new competition. Well, I'm a a convert. I was one. I used to really like that. The NBA, I thought it set it apart from other competitions that it had that ruthless finals cut. Look, you really make the finals in the NBA when it mm. was a top four, especially when we went to being, you know, a nine-team league and everything else. So I would, but I've become a convert of it for that reason, just because you see teams get so close and lose so many close ones and anyone can really beat anyone on their night. I think the play-in is warranted, so I'm a convert. Okay, know, in let that me space. ask you a question, Mitch, then I'm going to go to the Il Presidente. The Illawarra Hawks played the Taipans tonight. They play the Breakers in New Zealand next Sunday, so tomorrow week. That's their only two games now for November. How big are those two games for the Hawks, given their start, in preference to the coach and, and, and etc.? Oh, they're massive. At this point, they all, it doesn't matter where you play, you could be playing on a bloody concrete court at Berkeley. Uh, at the moment, the Hawks, every, every win matters. They're absolutely crucial. If you go, what, two and six, if you start to go, it is playing or not, you're starting to put yourself in a hole that you can't pull yourself back out of. And that's where the pressure the pressure mounts. I feel for for Jacob in the sense that, and I, and I wrote about it before the season started, that so much respect and so much plaudits Jacob got last year for eking what he did out of that roster that had no imports and everything else. But they're... And and quickly forgets people quickly forget that credit is that credit expires very very fast now it's become very much instead of oh you did well through that rough thing now it's the overall record would be oh Jacob's what now 5 and 31 or something in his tenure so I mean you can't not be under pressure I know we've got El Presidente sitting right he's there he's coaching for his career Jacob but he's got to be close to he is coaching <laughs> for his career in these two games <laughs> 
You're looking to me to and answer. The silence, <laughs> the silence is deafening. We respect that you know Il Presidente is in a very difficult position here because he he's employed by the club. He's a great member of the uh, Saturdays in the Gong team. But Jenna, you and I can fill in the gaps here. Uh, Cairns, the Breakers, await the Hawks. Those two games, I think. Uh, well, they won't they won't lock Jacob away, but they can certainly probably end his tenure if there's not a an improvement in their will, their grit, their determination, their blue-collar values that the club has prided itself on for so long. And ultimately, they need to win. So they need to play well, and I think they need to win. Do you want to weigh in on that? Yeah, absolutely need to win. I, I, I think we're past the point of improved performance too. And I understand internally that's all you can look at when you're in that because if you start worrying, obsessed yep. with wins and losses, that's just not productive. You're just absolutely burying yourself. But that's what you can do. But from the outside looking in, I think wins absolutely essential. Even I don't think... Look, I, know, I don't think he's under imminent pressure of a, of a hammer dropping on Jacob at this point, but... You don't? Do you get, no, I don't. I think if you get to this point, the, the com, like different conversations can start happening, options start getting considered. I think that's the point they're in. Let's, okay. let's face it, I, I know we've seen different, See, but great, it's not a league. It's I'm not a, a great league believer. You don't just move a coach on because you've lost six games. You've got to have a better person to bring in. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Matty, and, I, and yeah. that's, that's what... I, that's what I think is what you now there's, look there's at. Brian is Gorgian, gonna, there's Trevor Gleeson, there's blokes like Adam Caporn. You can go on and on. There are, there are, but they might not be willing. They might not be available. They might not be able to. Well, may not be available terms. this season, Matty. That's the thing. Yeah. You've got to ask. What can you? If it's about what you can salvage in a season, you, you balance long term. It's, it's that's the constant juggle for any sporting organisations. Mm. It's juggling the the long term with the the short term, and as you come in this season how much of a lift can happen. Oh, you're right, because with that play-in, they can slip pretty quickly. But, yeah, there'll be, there'll be some tough conversations had if that run you mentioned, Matty, doesn't uh, pull up some wins, I think, for the Hawks. The Sydney Kings have won their last two games there at home. Tomorrow, 4pm tip-off, Eastern Daylight Time against the Brisbane Bullets. They're looking to go three in the row, in, three in a row in terms of A, championships, but B, in terms of game wins this season. Perth finding their form, as Tim mentioned, off the top with... Uh, Bryce Cotton hitting 37 points. Melbourne United humming, so it's wide open this competition. Uh, we're going to take a break, and on the other side, news. There's a new player in town. Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. Facts of life. <laughs> you love that, don't you? I, I tell you what, Saturdays in the Gong might have been momentarily derailed, but nothing what, what, stopped. My dad just texted me and said, you get hit by a tsunami. <laughs> no, we're still on just air. Just about everything back. back. Pete, the perfect panel puncher from Putney, our outside broadcaster. He's been madly running around <laughs> making sure we got back online. So you're back with Saturdays in the Gong. He brings us his random fact for the week. What have you got for us, Pete? Uh, thanks, Tim, and good morning, everyone. Good to be back on air. Um, Going back to a cricket tour, long gone, a long forgotten cricket tour in the early 1930s, uh, Arthur Maley took a what was basically a invitational 11 on a uh, on a tour of North America, Canada and and America, and it was uh, 76 days, so it was pretty long, and it was a almost a de facto Australian team, including people like Alan Kipak, Stan McKay, Victor Richardson, um, uh, Leslie Fleetwood-Smith, uh, Maley, and uh, and Dob Bradburn. And Dob Bradburn oh, was there as well. And Dob Bradburn was there. And that was the condition that the promoters said about this tour, that you've got to have, Bradburn's got to be in the team. Now, Bradburn had only got married less than a month beforehand. Mm -hmm. So this was a 71-day tour uh, playing 51 matches. So what did he do? 
he took his wife with him on the tour. She was the only lady in 13 uh, people on the tour and uh, playing at this carnival of cricket. Almost uh, as long as the NRL season. <laughs> all, all, almost, Tim. And they, they travelled 10,000 kilometres, all, all for a fee of £100 um, at the time. But interestingly, the tour went through. They, they met Babe Ruth in New York. That's where mm-hmm. the Don Bradman met Babe Ruth. That has been documented. Um, so we had two of the greatest hitters of a moving ball uh, at all times, uh, in, in, in all time, uh, meeting each other. And then the tour concluded in Hollywood, where there was a bit of um, uh, on-field and socialising with some film stars and things like this. And this is where the Hollywood Cricket Club um, comes into play. Um, featuring some people as Clark Gable, Leslie Howard, um, Errol Flynn, Tasmania, was living, was in Hollywood at the time, David Niven and Boris Karloff. Now, Boris Karloff was English, which a lot of people don't know, and a cricket fanatic. Now, he was the wicketkeeper for the Hollywood 11, opened the batting, scored 7 and 12, uh, and then... Uh, as the, as the game went on, a, a lot of ladies turned up. We had uh, Elizabeth Taylor, Olivia de Havilland, uh, Joan Crawford as well, who apparently had a friendship with um, Victor Richardson uh, while they were in Hollywood there. Apparently they, know, they knew each other. Hang on, are you telling me that Clark Abel was bowling towards Donald Bradman? Conceivably. Okay. Conceivably. <laughs> wow. It was a social club, but, I mean, a lot of expats from England living in Hollywood wanted to play cricket. So they got uh, permission from the Griff- Griffith Park Park Authority. They had a cricket field there. They erected a pavilion, which is still there. It's now a wedding uh, reception place. The cricket oval, um, is, unfortunately, is gone. The Hollywood Cricket Club still does exist. But... Um, Don Bradman topped the batting averages on this tour, not surprisingly. 51 innings, he scored 3,770 runs at an average of 102. Well, that's what happens if you've got Clark Gable that's bowling at <laughs> That's right. 18, <laughs> 18 centuries and two double centuries. But because this was not a sanctioned tour, none of these stats appear in anyone's career averages. Of course, it wasn't sanctioned by the Australian Cricket Board. Um, now, apart from doing all the, the, the socialising and promoting of cricket, the Hollywood Cricket Club was very... Im- integral in getting SAG, you know, the screenwriters, the Guild have just had the dispute this mm. week, uh, which has just been has just been finally resolved. Well, they actually were resulted, they were instrumental in getting this organisation founded. And it was Charles Aubrey Smith, who was an English, had played one test for England, Karloff and Claude King, uh, the, were the original board members of the Screen Actors Guild, founded in 19... 19- 33, the union sought to give the growing ranks of film stars rights in the face of oppressive contracts, which saw major studios taking advantage with relentless schedules and intrusive behaviour. <laughs> and so determined were they to get this, uh, this union up and running that another member of the Hollywood Cricket Club, Alan Mowbray, personally funded SAG for the first couple of years in its existence to make sure that it still it, it, it goes on. Fascinating, Pete. Fascinating. <laughs> Pete's random facts of life. Remember last week I said the difference between one fish, two fish, three fishes? I've got another one. In the Australian Surf Lifesaving Championships, pillow fighting was actually a gold medal event and it really oh, was a case on. of sitting on a pole and smashing each other with pillows. That's the length we want the random fact to go, Pete, not 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Big second hour still to come and Saturday's in the gong. You can keep with us on 1575am in Wollongong. We're on the app or the website if you're in Sydney. Otherwise, you're off to the Mowers Club. We've gotten rid of the Gremlins. There's plenty more to come, we hope. Visit them for a test drive today. Welcome to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. Ah, 
they are there every summer on the beach without fail, our golden surf lifesavers. I'm joined by a couple of David Hasselhoffs right now. Michael Jennett, Toby Dawson, good morning both of you men. And before I touch on a, a myriad of topics that we want to get to regarding surf lifesaving, tonight... Wollong City Surf Lifesaving Club, I'm really looking forward to this night because there are going to be 50 caps presented to the club's national and world champions. Michael Jennett, this is a topic we touched on last week. Wonderful idea. I think it's going to be a really special evening. Good morning. Oh, good morning, Matty. How are you going? Yes, everyone's excited. Um, we've got a crowd of over 220 attending tonight. And it's certainly a recognition, not just of our former champions, but certainly... Um, developing an initiative and introducing an initiative that will be used to recognise our champions moving forward as well. Now, Michael Jennett, Toby Dawson, you are cousins. The link, the common link, is cap number one, Ross Dawson. Do you know much about this legendary boat team, Toby? Because you've come straight from a boat this morning, haven't you? I have. I've been on the big stick, uh, <laughs> sweeping a reserves crew, and Riley, my 15-year-old, he's in under-19s, Chris. So I know a little bit about rowing. Um, Unlike the novelty event members of our family. <laughs> <laughs> a little jibe there. Yeah, a little jibe. Uh, but yeah, it's a, it's a very famous fable in our family that Pa was the first ever gold medal winner at the Australian because he rode in bow, so he was the first to cross the finish line. So whilst the team actually won the gold, he was very proud that he was the first ever gold medal winner. Mick, give me a take on this. It's the way the 53 boat crew won that's important that the rest of the club feeds on for, for decades and generations to come because uh, the surf was so big that day, but the, the crew made the decision. Uh, there was no waiting, no yep. hesitating, just rip in, and, and that approach worked. So I'm going to say tonight, the culture was set. 70 years down the track, Wollongong City Surf Lifesaving Club competitors are still ripping in. You can date it back to 1953. Yeah, absolutely, Matt. That was sort of the call of the crew on the day in what would be tough conditions. Um, I certainly wasn't there, but from everything that I've heard. But Don Burrows was a legendary sweep of that crew, and Don went on to um, win numerous medals at state and Australian championships, and um, swept. he actually swept the day of his 90th birthday, which is a real special memory, but developed a culture that um, certainly the competitors of the club remember and implement today. Cap number one, Ross Dawson. Cap number 50, Milton Stepanovsky. So different generations, different eras represented. Uh, Toby, as we go through here, uh, Todd, cap number 39, Michael Jennett. Cap number 38, Larry Jennett. Cap number 48, Tim Jennett. What a family it's been for the Wollongong City Earth Lifesaving Club. Oh, and this is just the Australian titles, you know. Uncle Larry, Mick and Tim have just been absolute stalwarts, um, not just within the club, but within the life-saving fraternity. They are well-known names, mm. not because of just how well they compete, but how well they contribute to the surf life-saving movement, the safety of everyone on their beaches. And I think it's also really important to acknowledge cousin Kate, Mick and Tim's eldest sister, who once before, or competed in the, what was known as the Ella Bache Diamond Lady Series yep. um, around about the same time that Mick was competing in the top, uh, top flight uh, Ironman competition going around as well. So... They are just huge members of our family. The, I know everyone, we've got a massive roll-up of the, we call ourselves the Mighty Ducks. We're the ones that were in the billboard in our ducky sluggos many years ago. You know, all rolling up to come and get behind these guys today because they give their all for everyone else and it's great to see them getting recognised. Matty Heisley with multiple Australian titles. He'll be recognised tonight. The Morris family, the McEwen family. I've mentioned the Jennett family. Uh, Mick, is there is there one cap tonight that resonates with you particularly? Uh, if you take the family 
out of it. Is there, is there someone that you'd like to uh, share their story or elaborate on why you think that that is a really special cut tonight? Oh, I think it's difficult with 50 recipients, yeah. Matt, to put one above the other. But I think there's some amazing stories personally in the sporting context amongst um, all of the people. But certainly Robert Nay's story is amazing. Yes. Not just for what he achieved at Wollongong, but he went on and sort of considered a great in surf life saving after some pretty significant personal challenges. Yeah, well, that's right. Robert Nay, very much part of a, a, a swimming family. Uh, do it the Nay way, wasn't it? The swim the Nay way. Swim the Nay way, yeah. That was a, the long, powerful stroke. Yeah, and um, obviously Robert went on, was an Olympic swimmer, Commonwealth Games champion, and his, yep. um, one of his daughters was Australian surf life-saving champion. Another daughter was Australian surf life-saving champion. And two times Olympian, finishing fifth and seventh, I think, in the 200 backstroke. And Robert Nay was a, a competitor who really pushed Grant Kenny, uh, you know, the, the pin-up boy, right, of, of Ironman during that era. Was it, was it Robert Nay that was, was pushing him all the way? Yeah, so Grant Kenny um, is famous for, and it's recognised as probably the greatest feat in surf life saving, won the senior and junior Ironman championship on the same day at Maroochydore Beach in mm. 1980. And Robert had come back from a few years out with... Um, some pretty significant health and personal challenges. So to be back on the straight and narrow, I suppose, but then to compete at an elite level and finishing um, third to Grant Kenny on that day and finishing places over the next two years in the Australian Championships. And one of those years certainly should have probably beaten Grant Kenny if it wasn't for the, the luck of the surf that um, favoured a champion that Grant Kenny is. Right, oh, well, that's tonight at Wollongong City Surf Lifesaving Club, another great milestone for this great club. But, uh, Michael, you wear many hats. Sydney Water Surf Series, we're two rounds done. What were the big results last weekend? Uh, I think in um, the open mail competition, Bailey Kroteski from Marilla Barrack Point took out his first open Ironman victory. He's a um, national-level swimmer and mm. been a successful junior athlete. But to go and win at an open level um, was great recognition. He had a great start to the season and finished fourth in the cool and got a gold in the short course. But really um, paid the dividends, I suppose, of the hard work that he's put in and set him up for um, you know, a great summer. And he's looking forward to having more competitors at the ultra-elite level in round three of the series next week. That's a bull-eye that um, also doubles up as a round of the National Summer of Surf Series. Let's hope next Saturday is like this Saturday. We're broadcasting from the Wollongong Golf Club. Nothing but blue sky. The wind isn't up yet. It's a great morning to be on the beach. If it's like this next week, we will be because that, that's a big weekend, right? The you know, doubling up not only the final round, is it the final round of Sydney Water Series into you know, the other event as well? No, no, it's round three of the Sydney Water Series yep. and round four is actually a fortnight from okay. today at Wollongong okay. City Beach. So basically the next two weekends we've got... Uh, and Wollongong City Beach, is that the conclusion of the Sydney Water Series? Yeah, so that's the final, is at Wollongong City Beach. Okay, best beach in the Illawarra, I'm reliably Sun informed. Shorts there, Matty. You know that. <laughs> it's always 30 <laughs> degrees, water temperature, always 22 at Wollongong City Beach. Uh, so a big summer ahead for our surf life-saving competitors, fans, and anyone who likes a dip. But what about rugby table? We've talked a bit of uh, the gentleman's game this year. Not always on a bright, positive note, but we want to finish on a high, our final show. What's your rugby highlight of the year, you Vikings legend, you? Uh, highlight of the year, Matty. Wallabies have been a bit hard. It's a bit hard <laughs> to get around anything on the field for the club as well. We didn't have the most successful year. So I, I think this one's actually uh, last week getting voted in at the Vikings AGM as the 42nd life member of the club. Congratulations. Alongside Pa, Ross Dawson, my dad, Stephen Dawson, and now... Yeah. I'm up there as well. Three so. generations of, of life members yeah. at the uh, magnificent Vikings Rugby Club, which, 
is going to come back, which is going to be the heavy weight it once was, right? Yep. This time, 12 months ago, we were on our knees, forfeiting first grade. By mm. the end of the season this year, we had two sides on the field. We've got a great new initiative called Tap Rugby, which we're doing in partnership with the Flagstaff Group, which is mm. where we play one-for-one one with uh, guys coming from Flagstaff. We've been working with the Illawarra Aboriginal Community-Based Working Group. We're looking at a scholarship program for students going through TAFE or uni um, that want a bit of support and want to play some rugby. You know, we've got these numbers that are coming back in droves. There's a reason why Vikings is the oldest and most successful club in the Illawarra, and we're coming back, baby. 2024, 20, <laughs> wait no more. How'd you go on the rugby field, Mick? How do you assess his form? Uh, certainly fought above his weight and <laughs> provided fresh legs when he came in off the beach at halftime um, for a number of uh, victories of Vikings, but certainly played tough. Uh, very, very good. Well, men, great to have a chat this morning. Good luck tonight and make sure you enjoy yourself. Mick, I know you've played a, a big role in, in getting that up and going. And thank you for your involvement all year, Toby. We've had a lot of fun here, haven't we? Talking about the drunk uncle, Eddie Jones. Drunk and uh, Eddie. not always the right results for Australian rugby, but... You're saying the future is good. You're optimistic, aren't you? Yeah, I am. And you listen to what the players said this week coming out now that Eddie's left the building. They're saying the only thing we're missing were a couple of old heads. The players were listening mm. to Saturdays in the Gong. That's right. Because everything they've said now <laughs> Eddie's left is what we spoke about here on SEN, Saturdays in the Gong. And uh, watch out next year. We'll bring those old heads back. We'll see a centralised model of sorts. Um, and hopefully we'll see more players playing time, game time together, which is what you need. You need combinations on a football field. We do have a huge audience here on Saturdays in the Gong. When we're on air, of course. Not always a given, but when we're on air, we've got a big audience. Toby Dawson, Mick Jennett, great to chat. We'll break and come back with more on Saturdays in the Gong. They're in town. Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track side from Coldinger and then came promise of success. They've got 2.50 to go. Surf Dancer hits the lead. Surf Dancer from the stablemate Riadini. Oscar Zulu between the Wild Planet fights on. Hope in your heart coming home well but Riadini hits the lead from Wild Planet. Riadini clear in the gong. Hope in your heart late. Riadini's gong. Riadini beat Hope in your heart. Old Flame grabs third. That was the Waterhouse bot train, Riadini, winning last year's $1 million the gong at Kembla Grange Racecourse. Hope in your heart there for Kerry Parker was a fast-finishing second. Now, Kerry has hope in your heart running today around the $16 mark in the five diamonds at Rose Hill, 1,800 metres at 4.50pm. The only problem is Drew Barrier 17, Mitch Jennings, so... Oof. Not ideal Hard there, luck. but I just think still hope, still hope in your heart for it. Got to say, absolutely. <laughs> well, I won't be dropping off uh, at this stage because I think it's a really good chance if it can get some uh, some tempo. We had in. to play that, boy, oh boy, last year. I got hard. I, th I thought I was counting my money the way it came home in the gong. It was. It was coming to, and it was <laughs> as I believe you were. That it, it was almost the second straight. <laughs> By how clenching we yeah. were with each other's forearm. <laughs> I think I still got the the finger marks in my arm from that as it was coming home. It, it was almost the second Kimbler Grange runner. In a row to in win as many the years. Gong well, Counter Rupi was, yeah. was quite the fun, and of course, uh, Divine Breath that day as well in the uh, in the midway. So yeah. that was a good day. Yeah, very good day. I tell you, it was a good day for Mitch Jennings's coffers. Oh, one uh, of the few. One unlike, of the few. unlike Cup Day for yeah. us on Tuesday. <laughs> exactly. Well, joining us now on the line is the Illawarra Turf Club's chief executive, because we're only a couple of weeks away from the Gong, and being the last Saturday in the Gong show for the year, we thought we'd get him on. Good morning, Steve. Oh, have we got him there? We might have the Gremlins back. 
No, it looks like we've got some gremlins there, so we'll keep uh, keep rolling through. Yeah, the gong in a couple of weeks, November 25. Uh, it'll be a huge day. I mean, it's just the best day of racing at Kembla Grange. They have just such a, a marquee day at the end of the spring carnival with so many good group-level horses coming down. Yeah, I mean, we're seeing the, the Grange getting better and better with the quality of horses that are coming out of Sydney stables. So it is basically becoming a, a metro track with the quality every week, but... I mean, when you bring in the gong into it, it's, uh, it is a special day, and it's starting to actually build as a really good event on the calendar for Sydney racegoers. And, you know, the crowds that we've been getting down there, I, I think I wouldn't be surprised over the next few years with the build of the gong that it is a permanent place in the Sydney siders for, for, for coming down to the gong. It was. I remember if you look at that day we're talking about, Count the Ruby, Devon Breath, the way they'd gone camped the rupee a couple of weeks before in um, really good company to come down here and then tackle the home track and get the win, the quality of horse that's taken this event on at the end of the spring, it's just going up and up and what it, what it is too is it's actually becoming a target race so it's not just some of the horses that have gone through the spring and then as an afterthought thought oh hang on we'll just push on to the gong, there's a bit of extra prize money on offer that, there's, there's some really good horses that are now being set for the end of the spring to really attack this race so yeah it's, it's going to be a massive day in a couple of weeks now, I think I've got Steve Keen back on the line from the Illawarra Turf Club. Are you there, mate? Yeah, good morning, boys. How are you going? Oh, mate, we've had all sorts of dramas. We've had technical gremlins all morning, all sorts of issues. I haven't had any luck. I didn't have any luck on Cup Day. So we're bouncing back today, <laughs> mate. Uh, yes, I think we've had a, had the bit of the Optus gremlins uh, flow into the I show. We, I think we did go worse when um, Keno came to the table. So I think he was even worse luck for how we were going. So if you see us there at the gong day, just give us a wide berth, will you? <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Now, mate, let's talk about the gong. Uh, a couple of weeks away, obviously, but the last show for Saturday's in the gong here on SEN. Uh, it's just such a fantastic day. Uh, you know, it's just built into a great event and it'll be huge for down there at Kembla Grange on November 25. Yeah, look, it is building to be a great event. If we could get some weather like we've got here today, um, that would be amazing. And... Um, yeah, look, I'm really interested to see, um, you know, some of these horses go around today at Road Hill, just to see who's who's shaping up well for two weeks' time. So, so um, as you said earlier, no, it, it's no, it's not a big race, isn't an afterthought. Um, you know, there's, there's some horses there that will be running as part of their preparation to, to the big grand final, so they're the gong. So we're in a, we're in a privileged position where we can um, close out the spring carnival for the ATC and and racing in South Wales. So, one we're looking forward to and, uh, yeah, bring on two weeks' time. Now, this is your first time uh, as, as the Chief Executive with the Gong. So, uh, you know, tell us what's what's available on the day uh, in terms of uh, packages and um, what events will be happening. Yeah, look, there, there'll be plenty happening on track and, and we try and cater for something for a little bit for everyone. So, um, there'll be plenty of food trucks, um, lots of lots of bars and things like that open, and then yeah, we'll have little gong will be operating. So that's the other side of the tire stall. And down there, we've we've teamed up with the guys for yours and ours, and we've got a bit of a band happening, a bit of a stage happening where we'll have um, different music acts playing throughout the day. So the little little gong will turn into a like a little mini festival, I guess, so a little concert down there. So we're in between races, yeah, different acts will play, and we're, we're excited to to really um, get that cranking this year and, and then have that moving forward. So, yeah, it's, um, as I said, if we get the weather like today, we know we'll get the horse flesh. So, it's um, yeah, all pointing towards a massive day. 
It sounds massive, Steve, and I guess if you look at taking the model of, I guess, what uh, has been done with the Everest and everything else, the, the appeal that day has been able to have to certainly a younger demographic, perhaps to a demographic that is an arrested-on-every-week form guide type uh, race goer. Is that something that, oh, I guess, the appeal that the gong has? As you said, it's down here. If we get a day like this, it's a picture. And, of course, Kimberley Grange, a great place to be. Is targeting that different demographic or that younger demographic, perhaps not the, as I said, rusted-on race goers, something that, uh, you know, you're looking to do with this event? Yeah, absolutely. And I think if the club's not, they're, they're probably not uh, doing themselves any favours. So the rusted-on punters are always going to come because it's such a great day. Metropolitan Racing and the Illawarra, they're going to come regardless. So you, you always look after them, first and foremost, because they're your, 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 your customers that keep coming. But there's no reason they can't coexist. So you, you need to make sure that the young people who, who are your next generation of race-goers, that, that you give them a good time. And, and sometimes for those people that are new to racing, racing isn't enough to attract them. So you, you need to put a bit of entertainment on and things like that. So we'll be working on that moving forward into the future to, to make sure that you know everyone that comes to the race has a good time, whether you're the rusted-on punter or whether you come once a year or whether it's your first time. We, we want you to leave with a smile on your face and knowing you've had a good time. I've been to Randwick a few times, and when you're leaving the under-30s crowd, the party's just starting. They've got the band or the DJ out the back as you sort of head towards the exit, and they're just beginning. The race day is just the entree, and, you know, they're ready to party on. Oh, the so endurance, mate. Be, yeah, be exactly. A similar uh, event, no doubt, through the afternoon there at Kembler on the, the gong day. We might lose Mitch Jennings to a band or two during the <laughs> I'll be I'll be in the mosh pit, mate. I'll be like, well, you know in White Chicks, where they look around, they're trying to find Terry Crews, and they find him there with the glow stick and the whistle? <laughs> Maybe that'll be me. I'll tell you what, we've had some references on Saturdays in the gong this year but I think that's up there. There we go. Totally. <laughs> this is the demographics mate. We're targeting a different demographic for the show. Now Steve you've also got I'm the meeting on the 8th. <laughs> <laughs> Just personally escorting him around the course. Um, tell us about some of the work that's going on down there. There's uh, When we were there on Cup Day the uh, the infield looked a bit like uh, a, a full construction site. Uh, plenty of earth moving and plenty of work going on down at the track. Yeah, that's right. Racing New South Wales have been really good in that um, they've got the Greenlight uh, project to reconstruct the uh, bee grass. So um, what's happening there is down down around the, the bottom corner there where it gets a bit low-lying, um, we're raising the track and, and um, yeah, reconstructing it so that in, you know, anywhere from 12 to 18 months' time, uh, we'll be able to race on that surface. So we'll have two genuine racetracks. Um, that, that we can call upon on any sign. So it's, it's um, great foresight from Racing New South Wales to identify that we that we uh, have the need and ability to have a, a second racetrack. Didn't look at what Newcastle do, and yeah, that, that's coming to fruition now. So uh, the, the six six inches of rain we've had this week have sort of halted them a little bit, but um, they were tracking really well before the rain. So um, yeah, we're not not far away from um, yeah having having a second race course here at Hill Warren. Uh, with, with the gong only two weeks away, and we've had so much rain, and obviously you've had a, a fair bit of uh, track work being done, how is the course holding up? It seemed like it was running beautifully on, on Tuesday. Is it a concern with so much rain and then the gong only two weeks away? Oh, not this far out. No, no. If, if this rain's ideal. So if we can get some, 
some nice sunny weather. Maybe if we can get another 20 mil, maybe uh, at the end of this week, and then a fine week leading in, uh, that'd be ideal. If I was putting in an order, that's what I'd ask for. But um, yeah, look, it's out of our hands, so we'll, we'll play with what we've dealt. But the track's in great condition. Dave Anderson and his team have done a magic job uh, through the through the dry period. Now, now with the six inches of rain. Um, yeah, so it, it'll be spot on, I have no doubt. And um, we'll just have to see what the weather throws up the next couple of weeks. Dave Anderson's an outstanding operator as a track manager down there at Kembla Grange, but just because of the lay of the land at times, Kembla has been a little bit vulnerable in terms of a bit of wet weather and, and it affecting the track over the years, so it can't be underestimated that that work into the bee grass and the upgrades of the track is just going to be sensational for the region and for racing in general. What about today? Uh, as you said, there's a few form lines to follow heading into the gong. Have you, uh, have you found anything with the form today, Steve? Oh, no, not really. Um, still licking my wounds from uh, Tuesday and Thursday, so <laughs> I think this might be a wash and see day for myself. Um, yeah, so, but um, just really interested to see, you know, if, if the, the form horses or the, the horses that have been prominently spoken about targeting the gong, whether they perform well or, or whether something jumps up out of the pack that, that might have been sleeping a little bit, but, you know, just starting to hit its straps now. We're, we're two weeks out, so... It, um, yeah, it would be really interesting to see what pops up today. And you can get your tickets now for the gong. Where can the punters uh, go and get a start for the big day? Yeah, absolutely. So you can just go onto Mossix or um, via our website. So um, both both ways, um, you can you can purchase your tickets. Um, you can get them on the day, but if you pre-purchase them, it'll just save you the queues. You'll just be in the express lane straight in and get to enjoy the day. So um, that, that's my suggestion. Um, avoid the queues and, um, yeah, get them early. Well, Steve, the SEN team had a ripping day at Cup Day there in the Burt Lily Lounge, and I cannot wait for the gong. It's one of my favourite days of the year, Saturday, November 25, the $1 million feature race at Kembla Grange. Appreciate your time again today, mate. We'll head to the news. There's a new player in town. Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. Bang the Gong time on Saturdays in the Gong for one last time this year. We're live from Wollongong Golf Club on... It's getting warm out here, boys, but it's, geez, it's a beautiful day. Uh, let's go to Bang the Gong. I'm actually going to go back to the Gong. Uh, yeah, the race day at Kembla Grange. It's actually now the naming rights partner is the Illawarra Mercury, uh, the employer of Mitch Jennings and myself. So, yeah, fantastic for racing to see the Mercury link with the Gong race day. I can't wait, boys. I can't wait. Yeah, absolutely. It's just It, it just gets better and better each time. As we've, as we've touched on plenty of times, the, the quality of horse, the, the everything that goes around with the day, the turf clubs efforts to make an appeal to everybody. There's something in it for, mm. for everyone. So, yeah, I'm very much well, looking forward to that, that one as well. It's lovely. And my bang the gong is um, not many places you can come and play golf like Wollongong Golf Club. 
sit here, look over the ocean, uh, get around a golfing, and then go for a short stroll less than probably 70 metres away and watch the Dragons in pre-season. Yeah. Like, I walked past Flano and the guys out um, on the paddock the other day, and, and you're walking right next to the ocean. You've got the Dragons training field right there. 50 metres away is the Wollongong Golf Club. I mean, seriously, Sydney Siders, if you want to come day down for a weekend and if you're listening in, stay at the Wollongong Golf Club, go for a walk, you get to see the Dragons on the training field. It's not a better place in the world. Yeah, it's an amazing spot down here and we really should thank Nicole Walker who's appeared on mm -hmm. the show a few times and the whole team here at Wollongong Golf Club. They've been terrific hosts for us for the two years of Saturdays in the Gong, so we really appreciate all of their support and coming here each and every week. Also, we can't forget our sponsors, Avcon, specialising in industrial and response projects. Find Ryan Burke at the team at avconprojects.com.au. Impact Garage Doors, impacting homes for 20 years. How's your garage door going there, so, Matt Campbell? whisper quiet and just, just one of those things where you just look and you're in amazement of how how much quality goes into a good garage door. Do you know what? Mine was squeaking there at 6.30 this morning when mm -hmm. I was leaving home and I thought, oh, geez, I need to get onto the, the boys down there. <laughs> and the Allura Mercury. Subscribe at allurramercury.com.au. Mitch Jennings from the Mercury. What's your bang the goal? I'm going somewhat adjacent to what Matty Campbell did, but this week, and it's a broad, it's a broader plan, but I love... Love, love, love the appointment of Sean Timmons as the Illawarra Steelers SG ball coach. I wrote about it this week. Yeah. It's what I really like about it. It's a direct line uh, from Flano to the top line. He really wants to streamline from the NRL all the way down to the junior reps. So he's got Timo uh, with the top 30 training full time, uh, with the top 30, and then bringing all that back down to the Steelers. One of your all time favourites, Baz Willie Tallow. He's obviously the, the coach man. of the St George Dragons SG Ball. He's also there full time and doing the same thing. Uh, taking it back to the Dragons. I love that. But what we've got going to there, I think the, the Steelers, I'm going to give a wrap to his awful Melbourne Cup Day tips notwithstanding, the great Sean O'Connor <laughs> uh, and what he's managed to do there with Stacey Jury, of course, as well. In getting over to uh, the TAFE, it was formerly, uh, I used to throw some heavy leather there, obviously, the, formerly the Dragon Fit Gym with Joshy Miller, but that's now the permanent home of the Illawarra Steelers Academy. So four sides, uh, SG Ball, the Harold Matts and uh, the Lisa Fayola and Tasha Gale Cup. They all have a permanent home there. The two fields there, the gym set up, an academy trying to build the next generation, having a permanent home. I love it. So the Steelers having a permanent home. Sean Timmons back there coaching. So I'm going to bang the gong on the Illawarra Steelers. What a 2024 it's going to be. Outstanding. Now, let's talk some football. We've had our regular correspondent, Jordan Warren, now, we'll see if we can beat the Gremlins one last time today on Saturdays in the Gong. Are you there, Jordan? Yeah, morning, boys. Hopefully you uh, got to the end of the Gremlins by the end of the show. Oh, we've been fighting them all day, mate, but it's a battle we've just started to win. Uh, a big week in football terms, particularly within... Wollongong Wolves circles. Uh, the national second division is slowly creeping towards existence and the Wolves are right in the mix. Yeah, it's been a, a very long process for the Wolves and for all the teams that are vying to make that national second division. But uh, it was announced this week that the competition is slated to begin at the beginning of 2025. Now, originally it was, it was meant to begin at the start of 2023 and that was quickly uh, postponed to the start of 2024. And you and me, Baz, have been having conversations for a little while at work, just in the sense that the teams hadn't been announced and the competition was meant to be starting March of 2024. And we just thought that, that it just doesn't make sense. So it's a good decision in the end, I feel, that, that it's going to be beginning in the start of uh, 2025. And 
the Mercury understands, so I understand that the Wolves are going to be one of those teams, but the teams won't be officially announced by, by James Johnson, the, the Football Australia CEO, uh, until November 20. So there's still a little bit of a, a wait, about nine days to wait for the Wolves to be officially uh, confirmed, but it does look very good for the Wolves to be back on the national stage where they should be. Yeah, it's a pretty rock-solid bet that the Wolves, the Maleys, the Wolves will be part of that second division, which is a big development in itself. I mean, they've been around the expansion conversation for some time. There's been a lot of back and forth about where the next teams would come in to the A-League. This is what I'm really interested in, Jordan, is what happens next. I mean, if the, if the A-League do decide to bring in another two teams after, say, Canberra and um, the New Zealand team, whatever the next development is in terms of A-League expansion is where the Wolves would sit in terms of being in that A-League conversation as opposed to the National Second Division which they're now expected to be in, knowing that promotion relegation is still a pipe pot dream. Yeah, and it's one of the great many unknowns with this whole situation as the National Second Division and of course the most simple way to describe it is the A-League's owned, now owned by the APL, the, the Australian Professionals League. They're essentially owned by the clubs and the national second tier is, is being organised by Football Australia. So it's two different entities. But yeah, you're exactly right. The Wolves have always maintained that, that if the opportunity arose to, to make the A-League, to be that be an expansion club in the A-League, that they would, they would take it and grasp it with both hands. And they've wanted to... to they want, obviously want to be in the A-League one day, but they've obviously put all their eggs in the... In, or most of their eggs in the basket for the national second tier as well, which is which is the the thing that made sense too. You wouldn't ignore a, an opportunity to get on the national stage, albeit in the in the second tier, to, to um for the hope that you're in the A League. But um, yeah, of course Canberra and Auckland come into the competition next year, and then there's two more spots to go. So yeah, it is the great unknown. There's, there's also the great unknown of, of uh, it's been a, it's been said that the A League clubs, um, in terms of that eventual promotion and relegation, according to their license. Um, don't, are not able to be relegated just because they're, they're on that professional contract for the for the club. But James Johnson has come out and said that that uh, that's not the case. So, but yeah, we could talk for hours on the on the um, unknowns on on the case of the the A League and the national second tier and when promotion and relegation will start and where the Wolves stand on that. But uh, yeah, I think it's definitely going to be a, an extremely bumpy ride. But hopefully, for the most part, there's going to be there's going to be mistakes uh, made in this process. It's a, it's a new process for everybody. But I think for the good of the game in Australia, in terms of getting promotion and relegation back up and running, I, I think it's the best thing for the game. What about, uh, speaking of the A-League, um, Sydney FC, a big week there. Steve Corica uh, leaving the club. He's been a, a long servant around the Sky Blues. And Ufuk Tale, who we've had a bit to do with here. I was going to say, we can claim in, him, can't we? Illawarra, yeah. Will, well, Wollongong's own, Ufuk Tale. During that COVID period when Wellington were based here in Wollongong, uh, to continue on in the A-League competition. So, yeah, a big development there for Sydney FC after a struggling start. Yeah, and it was all, it was slated that um, that Ufuk could have been come on to, come onto the team last season. Of course, Sydney FC were struggling under Steve Corica for the majority of last season, but then they, they came good at the end of the season um, and came, came one game away from a grand final, of course, losing in two legs to, to Melbourne City. But, yeah, the start for this season for Sydney FC, look, I've been a Sydney FC fan since... Since day dot since 2004 when the club was established, and, and the first three games, no goals, three losses. It, it's been one of the worst I've ever seen Sydney FC play. It's been it's been torturous to watch um, Sydney FC. And, and while Steve Corriker is an absolutely legend bloke and and uh, a legend of, of Sydney FC, he's a, a decorated player, cap, 
captain, former captain of the club, championship winning captain, and, and of course the, the most successful coach in Sydney FC's history. I think the time was right to move on, and, and of course, look, Calais been been doing some really good stuff of late. You mentioned Jeno, of course, he was at the Wellington Phoenix when when the Phoenix were based in Wollongong during that, that those COVID times, and then he, he's still Wellington Phoenix's most successful coach. He, he's been doing some stuff with the Socceroos under under Graham Arnold of late. Uh, he's a really really positive up and coming coach, and, and being a former Sydney FC championship winner himself, I think it's an appointment that, that made sense. I thought that maybe uh, that Dwight York might have been a shout, of course uh, former Man United player in Sydney FC player, coach MacArthur until he was let go last season. I thought that might have been a, a cheeky shout, but I think that the, uh, the Pele appointment makes sense. Jordan, really appreciate your time this year throughout the season of Saturdays in the gong and your football insight. We appreciate everything you've done. We're going to head to a break and sprint towards the finish. There's a new player in town, Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. There's a new player in town, Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. One last time on Saturdays in the Gong for 2023. still going? We're still going. From Wollongong Gong. We'll go all day, mate. Hey, did I miss bang the Gong? You miss bang the Gong, Oh, well, I've got to bang the Gong for a restaurant called Ambience. In Indera, on the uh, highway there. Speaking of from the outside, (laughs) but my goodness, the food is extraordinarily good. I went there last night, and the great test is the Arancini balls, uh, which some venues give you a dry... Uh, ball of rice. They mm. melt in your mouth. The food at Ambience, uh, Unan Derek, give it a go. It is fantastic Italian fare. Took my father there last night, and we, we said, if we give it a score, we, we, we weren't fast drive 10 out of 10. Oh, well. There you go. There's Sounds my bang delicious. to gong. Mitch, Mitch Jennings, Alex Volkanovsky's next fight. He's back in his uh, dominating division. Uh, it's been locked in. Yes, in February next year, he'll be taking on Ilya Tapuria. It was a fight. Uh, that was long in the works before, obviously, he took that fight with Islam Makashev on 12 days' notice. So before that, he was always aiming at uh, a January date. Obviously, I was actually at the gym there yesterday and, and spoke with him. And uh, they've gone, he's following very strict uh, concussion protocols following that, that knockout loss to Makashev. So February just made a little bit more sense for them to be able to ease back into it and then do a full camp in to February. And uh, like he said, he goes, people quickly forget. You mentioned Baz, it's his dominant division. He hasn't looked like losing barring that small that heart-stopping moment in the brian ortega choke a couple of years back he hasn't looked like being beaten at 145 and all of a sudden the back of that uh, split second moment and the the loss there a lot of people suggesting he shouldn't be taking this fight he should wait longer is he is he vulnerable and uh yeah he's out there to uh silence knock like he said to me he's back where he's always been and where he's always thrived being doubted being written off he goes out there to prove people wrong. I'm adamant that's what he'll do in February, but uh, that'll be a hell of a fight. Ilya Tapuria and Alex Volkanovsky. Uh, as Mitch mentioned, he's following 
concussion protocols diligently. I want to know whether Mitch Jennings is following concussion protocols by the way he walked out of the Illawarra Turf Club on Tuesday. Are you under protocol still? Uh, they wouldn't let me back on the field. We'll put it that way. I don't know if I'd have passed the uh, concussion. I don't know if I'd have passed the concussion protocols. Just but, about uh, man, man of the match performance on the Cup Day. Pity we didn't walk out with our wallets full either. All right, well, I didn't even walk out with my wallet. I had to go back and You get walked it. out full. Yeah. Part of you was full. Yeah, that's right. The bank account was full. Right, a couple of minutes left standing here. Let's get back to NRL before we wrap it up. Who beats Penrith in 2024? Boys? No one. Brisbane Broncos. They get a do-over and they do They do a Penrith on Penrith. They fall short but come back the next year and knock them off. Look, I don't know whether Penrith can go four in a row, but if you're asking me now who's going to win the Premiership next year, why wouldn't you go Penrith? They're in a better position, I feel like I said this on the show, they're in a, a better position this year to go back-to-back than they were the previous year when they lost mm. Appy Coruscant, when they lost uh, Kikau. They're in a better. They're keeping this. Then they've lost Crichton, obviously, but they're they're in a better position, in my opinion, to go back to back than they and, were this time and when last the, year. With the Jerome Lewis situation, when does the, the the roster stretch just start to become an influence on the empire? I, I don't know whether it happens in 2024. If you're asking me for a, an improver next year, you know, I'm looking at the Des Hasler factor at Gold Coast. I think they've got a big roster with Farsuamala Arwe and Fafita sign long term. A question over their spine, but I just look through their spine mix uh, and there's some good talent there. You know, Campbell and you go on and on with, I can't remember all the names, Randall, Verrills, you've got um, uh, uh, the bloke at the back, the speed machine. I've lost it in terms of running through all their spine options. But if they can settle on an effective spine and have Des Hasler sprinkle his magic, I'm, I'm still getting over the, the sacking of Justin Holbrook, to be honest. But if Des can weave his magic, that roster should be able to give us more than it has for the last couple of years. The spotlight to me is on the teams around 6 to 10. The Sharks, the Roosters, the Raiders, the Rabbitohs, the Eels and the Cowboys, as well as the Seagulls. They're all teams that could be pushing for top four, or need to have a bit of a bottom yeah. out and go again. Well, if you're asking me for big improvers, it's, it's South Sydney because they've obviously got the ability to, to improve hugely in what they did because that was one of the most stunning capitulations out of finals contention we've ever seen. But if they, they get it right with that roster, I mean, if you talk big improvers, they can go from that to winning a premiership, obviously. So I think they've got the potential to be the big improvers with that little bit of an asterisk on the fact that they were just awful <laughs> to, to finish this year. I think... Uh, the Dolphins will be massive improvers. I think you had a flag there, Farnworth. I think under Wayne Bennett, year two, I think they can improve massively. The question mark for me, Baz, you mentioned the Sharks. Now, have we, are they going down the other side of a hill? Have we seen the flash under Fitzgibbon and now, you know, they're struggling because they've been really bad in big games. They've, they've been become really, really good at professionally taking care of teams they should beat, but... Yeah. That's not quite the case in a lot of them this year, but you know, in the in the big games, we saw what the Cow- Cowboys did within a year. They were right up there, top four. I thought they were going to be the big improvers to push into title contention, and they were awful yep. this year. So they're they're the the side that I really am interested to see where they finish. They're the intriguing one for me. And Matt Campbell, can St George Illawarra make finals next year, or do they have to wait another year and go on their recruitment? Uh, another year. They'll build this year. I think they've got some really good pieces, and I think Flanos will get it onto some sort of path, but they won't make it. They'll be on the outside edge. My team for next year is the Cowboys. I think the Cowboys can bounce back and give us a bit of consistency. That's what I'll be looking for for, for the next NRL season. You just wait, boys. The Bulldogs, top eight material in 2020. Well, there's the blowtorch has got to be on. For what? The team you've put together and everything else, Serraldo, I mean, come on, the blow. If you're talking about coaches under pressure and the the blowtorch, he's got to be feeling it. 
Paul Alamotti, Jake Gavrillo will have booming 2024s and you will be in agony every time they touch the ball. Uh, I think Alamotti's a good serviceable player. I think Gavrillo's the one that they will miss just for his you know, mm. really sharp pace, whether that was out in the centres or at fullback. Righto, for one last time, we head to a break. We're going to wrap it up. There's a new player in town. Tasha Gale, Jordan Warren, Justin Edwards, Brian Vanderwacker, Steve Keane, and of course the one and only Toby Dawson. To Kent, Bobby Robson, the man who makes it happen. Uh, our sideline coach, Pete the Perfect, panel puncher from Putney, never been more valuable than beating the Gremlins today. Hasn't missed and, the show. And of Not course, since we started. The to, Michael Bolt of the show, nah, isn't he? And yep. of course to our maestros, Dave Anderson and Chris Yander. It's been fantastic team effort. We Chris really appreciate it. Chris called up late today and got yep. there in time magnificently. We, we make the magic work in the background even when the Gremlins try and beat us. Right, now let's wrap it up with a highlight of the year. Matt, okay, Matt a, a highlight of the year. The Dragons beating the Roosters at Cogra on the siren. Ryan Carr, the interim coach, winning first up, banging that window in glee. His family around amazing. him. It was a great moment for, for Ryan Carr, who I think did a fantastic job. It was job. pretty easy to lip-read him too. Absolutely. There, he was banging that window. <laughs> I was there that night too, Manny. I'm, I'm going to... Talking about highlights of the year, I'm going to stick with things that we've seen in the flesh. Uh, for me, I had fantastic time this year at Tim Zoo fights, but I'm going to go with, on the Gold Coast, Sammy Goodman, Wollongong's own, claiming IBF number one status into Tim Zoo's demolition of Carlos Ocampo. That was the highlight well, for me. Well, if we're talking in flesh, I was in Vegas for Volco taking down. So, I mean, that one's going to be pretty good. That'll be my highlight. Yeah, outstanding, outstanding. Mine is Travis Smythe played his first British Open ah, this of course. year and nailed that hole-in-one on the final day. It was an absolutely spectacular moment and high fives all around. We haven't thanked you, Tim Barrow, or you, Mitch Jennings, or you, Matt Campbell. Part of being a team is getting along. Three fantastic blokes. It's been great to share Saturday's mornings, Saturday mornings with you over the last, what, nine months? Mate, I appreciate you guys carrying me well each and every week. Well done. Well done, guys. It's Saturdays in the gong, 15.75am app or the website. We appreciate you, the listener, joining us every week, and we'll be back next year. Are we? Are we back next year? We'll be back. <laughs> we hope so. We'll be back, baby. <laughs>